Welcome back to the Hexfinger's House of Common, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. Chev. Hi, Julian. I feel so close to you right now. It's a... Exactly. That is the exact length we can do before copyright takes I was going to so, say, yeah. I think it's like 30 seconds or 10 seconds, but we'll, we're air on the side of caution. Yes, this is one of our probably three recordings, our next three recordings. Uh, we're doing it from the same location. So we, we're, we're joining the, the Hex Drinkers South HQ the Hex Drinkers West HQ, and we're smushing them together to the, the, the Southwest HQ. The the West HQ flew me in. There was an important, you know... Uh, business. There's business. a summit. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm in town for official reasons only, of right. course. Right. We, we didn't do Magic 30 because we had our own um, very special uh, meeting that we needed to get done. Yes. But that doesn't mean we're not going to put out an episode of the no, House of, of Commons. Not. And there is a ton to talk about. As always. As usual. Real quick before we get into more exciting things, I just want to say, actually just a couple hours ago, I got my ass handed to me by one of the lovely <laughs> members of the PDC League. That's Ooh. right, I am now negative again. I believe oh, no. I am... You were negative last week too? Yes, yeah, so uh, <laughs> so technically I've played two PDC games this week. One you will hear about this week and then the next one we'll save for the next uh, the next cast. But um, I'm negative again, which is sad. Not much to say about this because it was just a relatively quick game. I was playing mm -hmm. against one of the lovely members of that Discord, the EDH. The EDH, ooh. Which is um, bold of them for playing PDC with the EDH as a yeah. as a name. I I really appreciate them trying to take up the mantle of that entire format. Yes. But um. But yeah, they were on Bloodbraid Elf. I mean, it worked out for them. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, Bloodbraid Elf has everyone's favorite mechanic, Cascade, mm -hmm. and, and also Haste. This was just shockingly. Mm -hmm. Pun intended. Just a very straightforward aggro deck. Uh, we're running 36 creatures in this. A majority of them are overstatted or have mm -hmm. haste, or both. <laughs> and um, it turns out that uh, I just didn't draw particularly well, and I got ran over both games. They were they were quite quick. We, we talked about, uh, briefly beforehand, Julian was like, oh, we should, you know, work on this together. But given the nature of Gelectrode and, I guess, the nature of Bloodbraid Elf, everyone's doing things very quickly. There's not many things to help out on. And I remember I was I was sleeving up a, a deck I'm going to bring out in the Hexdrinker Olympics. So tune into our, our next uh, Hexdrinkers episode to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. But I, I believe it was game two. You just said, Chev, I don't have any islands. And uh, given that it's a red-blue deck you're running, that seems problematic at best. Yeah, it was a... Um, the first game I just I really just got run over. I just didn't draw enough yeah. um, removal. And then the second game, like you said, I didn't have any islands, and I had plenty of removal, so I was able to kind of one-for-one for, one for a bit, and I, I nearly stabilized, but there's just enough burn in mm -hmm. uh, that list that um, the EDH was able to uh, to eke it out, even though I, I did nearly stabilize, and Kesek Flame Breather and Thermal Alchemist, gotcha. which are the very nice hitters. because they've yeah. got three toughness, which can block <laughs> a lot of the two-power, yep. you know, hasters he had, uh, and we were, we were, I was getting some damage, and I got the EDH down to about, I think, ten life. Do you um, think it's the EDH or the DH? The E, the D, and the H are all capitalized. Hmm, I see. But there's no underscore or space in there. I like the DH. I've decided. Fair enough. Well, shout out to the DH. They were a lovely person, and I enjoyed the games, even though I did not perform. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I did think it was interesting, the um, deck they brought in, the the take they've kind of chosen in this metagame. Yeah. Uh, Gruel is not something you see that often. And obviously red is very powerful, but the green was was different. And um, the Bloodbraid Elf actually really put in work. Just being able to have a hasty three power beater, yep. presumably another hasty 
three power beater. Yeah. It just works. It's it's from what I can see, there's not any like fancy tech, any anything cute, any like oh we get to play this super powerful card, right? Uh, like you might in like a blue black deck. It's like modern zoo almost, but um with <laughs> I did see a wild nakedle uh, out there at one point. Yeah, game one, turn one wild nakedle was rough. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> uh, yeah, monastery swift spear in here as yep. well. Scab clan mauler absolutely kills. Uh, it's a two mana one one with trample for gruel, but it's got bloodthirst two, so it comes in as, Ooh, as a yeah as a, a three three trample most times so that that was putting in a lot of work but yeah i thought it was interesting um the the kind of different aggro strategy yeah. that they that they brought to the table because we we talked about a lot of aggro strategies mm-hmm. over the course of the league but always nice to see something new damn straight so in the in the wider world uh switching from pdc to pdh and specifically CPDH. We have two new members of the Budget Brews Deck Database Committee for for CPDH decks. Nice. So I'd like to welcome uh, Tanner Tanzoid and Puzzlebox. Uh, we held a, a whole process. I was traveling at the time, so big shout out to to Clay and Ryan for really putting this together. The actual uh, submission process, and or I guess election process. I'm not really sure what to call it, but people had to uh, answer a questionnaire to be. Uh, considered for a place on the database committee, a- answer a questionnaire, do a video interview with uh, Clay and Ryan, and then given a sample deck list that Ryan made, I I forget, I think it was a, a red-blue aggro list that he put specific things in that we have tenants against on the DDB and bad card choices and was asking how you would evaluate that deck. It was probably the most intensive and accurate job interview process I have ever seen in my life. And so coming out of it, we we added two new people. We loved the way that they kind of approached the deck building and how they were willing to work with the hypothetical deck creators uh, to kind of make sure that we build on the vision of the deck's author and not just kind of steamroll over, because uh, that's not what we're trying to do on the, the database committee. So welcome Tanzoid and Puzzlebox. Uh, Puzzlebox constantly is putting out new videos and content and has been really leaning into cpdh recently too so check those out or reach out to him in the discord but yeah we're finally back to finishing up um the analysis on a couple submissions as well because we have two new decks in the deck database yes we do uh i just want to extend my congrats to those lovely people as well i uh yeah the process was thorough you were like hey you should apply for this and i was like apply and you were like yeah here's the link and i looked through and i was like that's a lot. That's I'm kind applying of a lot. to real jobs. I was like, I was like, yeah, I have other things that are filling my time, and yeah. that seems like a lot of work. But uh, I couldn't think of two people who are more qualified for this. So mm-hmm. um, very excited to see what they uh, what they bring to the table and how they uh, they help the community grow as a whole. Speaking of growing as a whole, like you said, two new lists. What do we got? Something that we talked about on a previous episode of this podcast. Uh, given the direction that CPDH has been moving in the online meta, which is to say, aggro and quicker. Uh, We have two lists that really embody that. Uh, It's kind of funny to look at these from the lens of remembering how all the original decks on the database looked and felt and how you needed a complex primer to explain what the deck is trying to do, to explain all the intricacies. And now we're at a Fathom Fleet Swordjack deck brought by Medwards uh, with the primer. The plan of this deck is really just to win the game. That's it. Pretty much cast the Swordjack, attack as soon as possible. And that makes sense. For a list that is literally, you know, as much ramp as you can, uh, lands, get a little life when you can, draw, and then really just play a bunch of artifacts and swing. We have Fathomfleet Swordjack, and then we have Carter Doomscourge from Nate Diggity. So two classic deck builders 
uh, bringing out their high-intensity aggro builds. No blue decks this time, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, red might be sneaking up as the, the third best color, but might, might sneak into number two slot. Yeah, red is really putting um, putting its best foot forward in CPDH and in PDC, um, and we're even seeing, you and I have been playing more red decks in PDH uh, itself, but yeah, yeah, I'm huge on this Fathom Fleet Swordjack list. We discussed a similar list mm -hmm. from one of our gameplay videos, yet this is a deceptively powerful list, right? Because it, like you said, it plays a lot of uh, rampant artifacts. There's plenty of ways to just generate a bunch of artifacts or even tokens, um, even in something like mono red and you know at the common rarity but yeah we're playing um things like bonders ornament of course it's a classic mindstone uh, but then we're also just playing things like prophetic prism and arkham's astrolabe that just cantrip and filter our mana even though we're in uh, right. mono red but they just add extra damage every time we're swinging with the sword jack yeah i also really love the the dominance of hoarding ogre i've loved this guy since i was able to run a red draft deck for afr uh last summer but Hoarding Ogre, the 4-mana 3-3 three, three, that whenever it attacks, you're making treasure tokens. And like Julian mentioned, treasure tokens and, and objects are going to be huge in any deck that cares about artifacts. But having a creature that is big enough, but not problematic enough, that it won't be the first thing removed from the board, but can just continuously ramp you in mono red uh, is incredible. Yeah, for sure. The ramp is huge, and also we're, these are just more <laughs> artifacts on the board. Um, yeah. We're making a bunch of kind of game object tokens. We're doing treasure, but we've also got a big blood package, uh, things like Falkenrath Celebrants, mm -hmm. things like um, Ceremonial Knife as well. And then, of course, you know we're doing treasures, Unexpected Windfall, Cease of Spoils, uh, even Rapacious Dragon finding its way into here just because it's a body and it gives us two more um, artifacts. One of the things that I think is the most underrated about Fathom Fleet Swordjack is its Encore ability. Right? Yes. In something like CPDH where the commander is so central and essentially here, really our only way to win the game, as was stated in the primer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, is we need we need the Swordjack. So yep. being able to Encore the Swordjack um, is huge. It gives us essentially another cast of it. Air quotes there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Air quotes in a uh, audio medium. Yes. And... Um, and also, what's huge for the Encore is that now we get to attack everybody and deal damage Indeed. to everybody as opposed to yep. one person with our actual sword yeah. jack. It's not in this deck, and I don't think it ever will be, and I don't really think it should. Uh, maybe this is something more for, for PDH or the, the pals to play around with, is could you make an Encore uh, commander work with stickers? Pretty sure that the, the sticker changes the stats of the card, and then when you Encore it, you get three copies of the stickered uh, power toughness. But I was just thinking of that with um, all the love that, that recent cards in red have gotten that use stickers, particularly thinking of Blank Goblin, who on rate usually produces more mana than Seething Song if you pick the right sticker sheet. So if, if stickers can come into our lovely format, which uh, it's only a matter of time, <laughs> I wonder how that would we'll work see. with something we'll like see. this. But yes, another another great deck from, from Medwards, constantly keeps churning them out. Fathom Fleet is a, a powerful deck and in an easy one that I think we can put a stamp on approval for for people who are just trying to get started with a a solid CPDH list that gives you one one goal and a, a pretty pretty easy way to get it. Yeah, there's a reason that a lot of people when they get into something like standard uh, for the first time, a lot of people go towards mono red or red deck wins. Yeah. Generally, it's cheap. The stack yep. is coming in at thirty-five dollars, yeah. uh, and uh, and also, yeah, it's just it's easy to get the hang of, and um, it just feels good to attack. And a lot of times, they're very powerful strategies, so yeah. they win you the game as well. Indeed. Jumping into our next deck, 
Nate Diggity7 added again. Uh, Carter Doomscourge, which in the stats uh, has won 7 out of 10 games in the online CPDH meta. Uh, Carter is an absolute force coming in at 4 mana, 4 3 ETBs until your next turn. Creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. So goaded. And then whenever an attacking creature dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. That's a lot. And it, it really capitalizes on where the meta has gone, as we previously mentioned, aggro. And all right, everyone's doing aggro. You can just not at me. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird combination of like an aggro control deck almost, yes. right? Yep. We, we are getting aggressive, but we're controlling the flow of combat and also kind of putting up the walls against us uh, where someone like, you know, a blue-white blue, blue white player in EDH might have Ghosts right. of Prisons and Propagandas. We just have Goad, another mechanic that we just <laughs> love. It's a, it's, it's a big it. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this list is this list is giving me very much almost blue-black vibes where, for the most part, we are just running a lot of the best ofs, right? Mm -hmm. All the good ramp. Uh, we have all of the good remo black removal um, plus uh, edict effects, flashback yep. marauder, and the like. And uh, we're also running some heavy uh, monarch um, yes. packages, yep. which is obviously very good because if no one can attack you, they cannot take the monarch. Yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of the, you know, it gives another reason for your opponents to fight each other. But yeah, if you cannot be attacked, you remain monarch. Brutal. Uh, we've also got the flicker package, the mono black flicker package that is... <laughs> In all of these kind of ETB commanders, uh, originally I think we were first caught on to how powerful Black Flicker was with Oakley's Grey Merchant of Asphodel list, yeah. which is running all the bounce and flicker you possibly can. Getting some new tools in uh, Bro, check out our next episode. Mm -hmm. But with Carter, it just the the impact of having everyone swing constantly and essentially just fog or not fog, uh, keep yourself out of harm's way for the entirety of the game if you have it kind of your way is is really, really strong. For sure. And, um, of course, since people are not going to be attacking us, we can't get Carter to die in battle that easily. So to uh, be able to trigger our things like Undying yes. Evil and Supernatural Stamina, we have all the good, um, you know, Deadly Dispute-style cards to continue to get uh, card advantage. Right. Which is something that I forgot to mention in the uh, Swordjack list. There are also several ways in that list to sacrifice the Swordjack and get him in the graveyard. So that we right, can so you can get the actual, yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, so a, sim a commonality between these two decks um, in that, but but yeah, we we want Carter to trigger every turn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after turn four or turn three, if we have a an early mana rock, basically we want our opponents attacking each other every turn of the game, and I guess we will just kind of sit back and yeah, let the chips fall as they will. Um, right, with our twenty nine removal spells. <laughs> yes, that as well. Just in case, just in case somebody gets through, you know. Yeah. Thank you again for uh, Nate Diggity. Another another great list. Uh, I'm excited to. I'm I'm excited for both of these. I definitely feel that all of the combo and control of early CPDH as we played it was fun, but sometimes you just want to turn cards sideways. And for sure. There's nothing like a, a good strong red commander to deal heaps of damage, and especially you add black for the best removal as well. It's a dangerous package. Well, we'll see how I feel about red. You know, after a couple more weeks, but um, I, I do like that we're moving away from what felt like mostly blue black right format you know yes. even though carter is a pain in my butt <laughs> <laughs> yeah a pain in a lot of people's butts for sure for sure all right uh so so those are our our decks for the week and we actually we're gonna try and uh do a little conversation about a topic this week you wouldn't believe it but we actually <laughs> do have another magic the gathering trading card game tm uh, mm -hmm. expansion set coming out 
Yes. The Brothers War. Correct. The bro, as it would be. Yes. Turns out there's a lot of artifacts in there. They they were a fan of artifacts, these bros. Yes, the bros. The bros. Uh, so we just wanted to kind of talk about artifacts in general in mm-hmm. um, CPH, right? Yes. They fulfill a lot of roles, and there's a lot of good staples, and we just wanted to kind of highlight those. We are going to see a few of them being reprinted in both the set as well as the like flashback. Yes. Um, oh, that's going to be blueprint. so cool. Right, I don't know what to call it. The, the, the branding, I guess maybe, are they just like retro artifacts? I Because it felt like the branding on these was not as clear as the Strixhaven uh, Mystical Archive, where they were like, enjoy, Mystical Archive. And maybe it's because the treatments for those were different enough, and they had the Japanese versions as well, that it was just talked about a little differently. So they're called uh, the Brothers War Retro Artifacts, or an even better set code than bro, it's... Okay, Cardi B. <laughs> but there's a plenty. There's plenty in here. I'm trying to see. We have a couple standouts uh, that were none were printed at common, um, but if we do have a few common pieces that were printed at uncommon, right? So we got pristine talisman. We got uh, Iker Wellspring. There are good PDH cards you can find in here, but man, they look so good in that brown frame. <laughs> yeah, uh, these in. For the members of our community who do enjoy to pimp their decks out a little bit, cough, yep. Alcadron, cough. These are going to look really good in foil, and I'm I'm a huge fan of the... Recently, I've, I've been getting into the old border a lot, so these are going to look very nice yes. in some, uh, in Especially some paper decks. cheap foils. Cheaper foils than uh, where a lot of these might have come from. Yes, for sure, because a lot of these are some very old cards. But enough about new cards. Let's talk about cards that are already out that we enjoy in our, our CPDH uh, well, format. Technically, these are already out as well. Well, th- shut up. Shoot, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so the beautiful thing about artifacts is that um, in something like CPDH, they fulfill a lot of roles, right? Yeah. So the base level generally is we're running mana around. Green is kind of not really that prominent in the format, or, or it hasn't been overall. Yes. So you're not seeing a lot of... Uh, ramp and, and the ramp package has certainly been buffed out over the last couple of years at common but it doesn't have a, a lot of the staples you might see in, in regular right, EDH, right right so to make sure that we can hit those higher mana values especially if we have a uh, higher cmc commander or we just need to play our commander a bunch of times we're going to want to play mana rocks yes uh there, there are the the classic uh signets and arcane signet uh which is which is a signet and all of those but i think what has really jumped out in common and actually exploded during uh, Baldur's Gate Commander Legends is three mana, mana rocks with upside. So mana lith with upside has been kind of a thing that's been around for a little while, but it has been getting better and better with things like Bonder's Ornament, which Papa Popper will fight for, should still still be in every deck. Uh, and then it's Lantern of Revealing. It's kind of its pseudo cousin that came out in Baldur's Gate. But I think like Baldur's Gate had four or five of these three mana rocks that just had a pick your poison for best ability. Like, um, what is it? Vessel of Unending Water or something? The fish. Yes. The fish. The, the fish with water coming out of its mouth uh, it gives you no max hand size, um, which is a thought vessel for an extra mana, but it taps for any color. We even got the first walrus, which uh, technically a creature, but once again, still a three mana mana rock. I think it ETBs and you scry too, right? It's yes. got a, It's got something else going on. And then moving from Baldur's Gate, but even before then with uh, Crimson Vow, Honored Heirloom, I think that is more than Bonder's Ornament. We see that in every list now, right? Because there are so many decks that want to utilize the graveyard, put important pieces there, bring them back. I'm thinking uh, like High Tide Combo, you usually are 
recurring something in the graveyard. Yeah. So being able to stop it with just a, a mana rock that is benefiting you the whole game, and then you can just get whatever you need out of a graveyard, comes in more handy than um, Relic of Progenitus, honestly, more often than not in a multiplayer format. Yeah, I mean, Relic certainly sees play. We, we do, correct, we do love um, Relic. But yeah, the fact that Honored Heirloom, uh, you have it on a, uh, a mana rock as well, is just huge and um mm -hmm. you know i'm big on honored heirloom actually i've started playing some of my edh decks it's that good yes um, and it's nice to just kind of be able to snipe things but um i'm big on the whole three mana mana rock coming back that's yes. that was like a contentious topic in the edh community right, for the right. longest time i'm happy that we really get to since play. arcane signet that's it was yes. the brawl decks that did it eldrain you know you you did a lot of things right but you did so many wrong I'm glad that we're wholeheartedly embracing them in the format, and I'm glad that Wizards continues to print ones that they're just like, here, listen, task for any color mana, and you get this slight upside. Yes. Right? That's perfect. And I would say probably one of the, the biggest potential upsides, we just got a, a reprint downshift of Unstable Ooh, Obelisk. Yes. Warhammer, you did you did two things for us, and they were incredible. Go for the throat at common, and Unstable Obelisk at common. And having a, a way for all colors to deal with with any type of permanent, that is huge in this format. Particularly something that's even pointed out in the uh, recently talked about Carter deck. What do you do with an Oubliette on the field if you're in red? <laughs> the, the tools like Liquid Metal uh, Torque are not available at common yet to turn things into artifacts to deal with them in your own way. So having more spells that can deal with any color permanent is incredibly necessary for strategies that kind of hinge on the commander. So having a rock that can sit out there, yes, you're paying seven mana for the activated ability, but... That's a lot better than sitting there unable to use your commander uh, because it's been phased out of existence. Yeah, seriously. We had things like Scour from Existence, which is a 7-mana instant that just exiles a permanent. Right. But it, you cannot compare that to something that you can just utilize exactly. as mana ramp and another artifact on the field if you care about that. And then, if you need to pull the plug, you can drop the obelisk and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining like somebody on the bottom just like... Hmm, that's not looking so, uh, just kind of give it a little push and just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is like, I, I think we were, we were talking about this quick segue uh, a little bit earlier when flavor text doesn't match the card. And I think Unstable Obelisk could use more fun flavor text. The, the idea of the, the obelisk itself falling is silly. We should encourage that. One word. Timber. Timber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on from um, Mana Rocks with Upgrade... Uh, with upside, uh, we're going to kind of move into the the second category, which you know you have all these rocks on the field, you you've ramped, but now it's time for them to do other stuff. And kind of like honored heirloom, uh, there's a ton of cards that can help stop a graveyard from running out of control. Uh, we saw like fathom fleet swordjack. If you can remove that from the graveyard, <laughs> yeah. or the high tide combo, or really all kinds of decks are going to care. Or maybe you're running something like Tormod where you want to deal with your own graveyard. Honored Heirloom is great, like we talked about. Relic of Progenitus is great, like we talked about. Tormod's Crypt, still worth running in plenty of lists. Yeah. Uh, there is a reason that you do want to get rid of a full graveyard. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, you know, maybe you want to get rid of your own graveyard, like you said, because you're running Sir Conrad. Ooh, yep. And you want to dome yep. people for you know, 10 or something. What a play. Yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's actually shocking. Um, how much the graveyard is utilized by all sorts of decks and in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we're doing combos, like you said, in like blue blacklists. A lot of blacklists just have a lot of built-in recursion. Yes. Uh, they just want to get things back. And if you can just blank a spell because someone targets something and then also you're now denying them that resource, uh, maybe they want to get like a Gary back or something. Right. It's it's huge. And then um, and then for something like a, a Fathom Fleet, like, yeah, just 
sorry, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you're gonna have to you you know pay for this yep. the hard way. Yep. Like you don't get to encore. So yeah, the the graveyard is so huge. You have to be packing graveyard hate. Basically, a majority of that is gonna be found in the artifacts. Right. And the good thing about all of these is I don't think any of the rocks we've talked about. Uh, or any of the artifacts we've talked about are specific to a color. They're they're none of the the more recent colored artifacts. So these can and should be run in basically every deck. For sure. I'm trying to think what sort of colored artifacts see play. Um, I think there's a few equipment. I've tried to sneak uh, red equipment into uh, Voltron lists a few times, mm. like Crystal Slipper, and there was an upgraded version of that uh, that came out on AFR that I forget. It's some sort of the boot. boots of speed. The boots of speed. <laughs> How do you want to go? Speedily. Speedily. <laughs> Jeff, it's funny that you should mention that because that's a sneaky little segue into our Hey-o. last kind of, look at you, are you a podcaster or what? I mean, it's taken long enough. Yeah, so uh, the, the kind of the final category we want to uh, talk about is equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, equipment are an interesting card type and it's been something that's been very polarizing across all formats over all the years. Obviously, there's, you know, I'm a huge fan of the swords and there's things like commander's plate and stuff, but generally yep. equipment, not that good. But in something like CPDH, when we're slowing things down and the overall power level is much lower, um, equipment become very potent. You can take the time to actually equip things up and, like you were saying, giving things vital keywords like haste, trample, uh, protection a lot of yep. the times in the yep. form of shroud or hexproof or, or straight up protection. Um, these are going to come a majority of the time from your equipment. So they're a yes. huge pickup for the format. And like we, we always kind of mention here with uh, PDH in general, all decks are essentially Voltron decks. Because you need your commander out way more than an EDH deck where any card can have a massive swing on the game. In PDH, your commander really matters. So most decks are running at least a few pieces of equipment to protect your most vital resource. Just like you said, you know, the Haunted Cloaks, the Whisper Silk Cloaks, uh, those kind of cards that really kind of keep your (laughs) commander in a shell uh, are are probably worth a couple slots right alongside your Relic of Genesis and Honored Heirloom in in every deck. Uh, But kind of branching out of that, there's... As we've seen more aggro, there's a bigger push for the more aggressive set of uh, equipment, the kind of token creator package of Ceremonial Knife, Prying Blade, and Gold Vein Pick. Uh, All create either blood tokens, which are incredible, or uh, treasure tokens, which ramp is good for everyone. There's a lot of pickups. Some people will just run straight up um, equipments just to win in combat, like you said. Being able to generate resources uh, is even more important in, Hot in, take, in yeah. CPDH. Yeah, as, as that was coming out, I'm not going to lie, I was like, where am I going with here this? Here we are, to educate where the people. Where am I going with After you just had such a great moment, I'm over here just bringing us down. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they're they're incredibly important. And in some in some cases, uh, equipment are even essential for combos. Um, Viridian yes. Longbow is the yep. one that, that yeah, comes to yeah. mind. Another great thing about a lot of these um, is that they can be searched off something like a trinket mage maybe this will be something uh that we're actually teaching you guys because right now you know we're we're assuming that uh, a lot of our listeners do have experience with cpdh already using things like trinket mage to get artifact lands uh that's not what we're really talking about but it is quite amazing because don't forget there's that entire cycle of indestructible bridges uh causing mayhem in in 60 card still pretty powerful in uh, 100 card but worth remembering if you're in a blue deck People a lot of times forget about those artifact lands, but they they are indeed artifacts. They If you need to, yes. um, anything from just having a great furnace on the field, which is going to help your uh, Fathom Fleet sword jack, yep. um, or if you have one of the many uh, deadly dispute things and you don't have a creature, you can sacrifice an artifact for a lot of those. Yep. And if it you need to, land. You, yes, yes, exactly. 
I know the day is coming. I live in fear of it, given how our playgroup has developed over time. And that is when we get a downshifted version of Ensoul Artifact. And we get decks that are animating our indestructible artifact lands. Darksteel Citadel, you've terrified us for years now. Um, please let it end, but I don't think it will anytime I soon. have very, very, very horrifying memories of when Oakley, in our very early days when we were playing... Yep. Uh, what we thought was standard. Yes, um, it was not. <laughs> Oakley was playing an Insole Artifact deck um, with, uh, you know, Darksteel Citadels and other low mana cost artifacts. And dang, that was a deck. That was actually a real deck that uh, saw a couple Pro Tour um, finishes uh, across about a year or so. Yeah, it, uh, it kind of went better than Dirtly Abzan counters and uh, whatever you were running at the time. <laughs> God, who even knows what I was running at the time? Yeah. Uh, tan blue. Tangent aside, though. Yeah. So, Artifact's good, I think. Yeah, artifacts are huge. Just kind of recapping the fact that we have good mana fixing and good ramping kind of across yep. all the colors is huge. The fact that basically all the artifacts that see play, I mean, a majority of artifacts that are printed are colorless, but the fact that all decks get access to these various upsides, whether it's as minute as uh, just nuking something from a graveyard with an right. worm, or being able to actually remove a permanent with an unstable obelisk and everyone in between, I think it's just better for the format that we all kind of have these... Tools, yeah. pieces, these, uh, things, these, this thingamajigs. This toolbox, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see how the, uh, the the new Mishra and Urza at Uncommon um, play with all these artifacts. Because those abilities are... You get the extra trigger. Mishra is two red mana. Urza is a power stone, which another artifact. You get them when you discard an artifact card. So I, I do wonder, if throwing all of these into a deck and sticking one of the, the bros at the front... How powerful that's going to be. I'm excited to, to build at least one of those, even if it isn't competitive. Well, spoiler alert, but we may be in the process of... Here's something we don't do often. Writing articles. You know we can't write. We can't even read. Impossible. But uh, yeah, just stay, keep, keep your ears to the ground for something like that. And if you are also a fan of EDH, we may be doing something with these as well. So just stay tuned for that. Yeah, forget forget Mishra and Urza. Um, keep an eye out for cards that just reference artifacts during your pre-release, especially in white and blue, because I think those are the colors that are going to see the most uh, benefit from it. All right, should we should we wrap up this this first topic? I think you wrapped it up quite well, so maybe maybe we already did. Consider it wrapped. It's almost well, we got a little bit, but it's Christmas. I'm wrapping. Christmas. I'm wrapping. <laughs> I think we should just finish this cast off with, of course, a deck of the week. Deck of the week. This is a Teamer Sabertooth list brought to us by Zjm. ZJM. Thank you, ZJM. <laughs> you rock. Anyway, <laughs> this is a different sort of list. And the reason I want to highlight this is, is for a couple of reasons. One, this is mono green, right? Teamer Sabertooth, four mana, and then you can pay one and a green to return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, the Sabertooth game's indestructible. Um, we don't really care about the indestructible part, but basically we just want to be bouncing things back and forth. Mm -hmm. And it's a combo deck, right? So this is a combo deck in an increasingly aggro meta in, I would say, objectively the worst, because we both agree that green is the worst combo uh, color, and this is mono green? No, no black, yeah. no you, blue you get to no supplement. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what this deck aims to do is it's going to ramp early. Now remember, of course, green gets access to that land ramp, unlike a lot of the other decks that rely on artifacts. Yes. Uh, and then... Ooh, in a callback. The... Very nice. What? Podcasters! <laughs> and then, while we're doing that, we also want to be using uh, Team or Sabertooth to bounce our creatures back to the hand to get more 
ETB value. Um, hopefully we're not facing down a ton of pressure, but otherwise we can just kind of fill the board up with bodies just to kind of stem the tide before we get to our combo. Speaking of the combo, wouldn't you guess it? We're gonna attempt to generate infinite mana. <laughs> so as uh, stated by ZJM, first off, we need to play a creature that taps for at least four more mana than it costs to cast. That's, that's um, a lot of mana. You lost me. You lost me. But they're, 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 luckily, luckily, they, uh, they illuminate us. Uh, Priest of Titanium is huge. Tapping for one green for every elf we control. Uh, or buy land enchantments and something like an Arbor Elf, which can untap lands. Right. Then we're going to need to equip the creature with a haste equipment. Callback. Ooh. Such as a Haunted Cloak, which is my personal favorite, but Strider Harness will also do the job. Uh, we're going to tap the creature for mana. Return to the hand with a Sabertooth. And then repeat playing it gotcha. equipping it tapping it so it's a bit convoluted right you need to be tapping for a lot of mana especially since we do need to re-equip it with the with the haste each time but eventually we get infinite mana once we generate infinite mana we can um through various creatures that draw cards things like elvish visionary mm -hmm. uh, things like land visionary uh, we'll be able to draw as much of our deck as we need until we find a creature that allow us to win the game by infinitely uh casting and replaying uh bond beetle uh, one green when it enters put a 1-1 counter on target creature can make some of our creatures infinitely big yep uh, we can also gain infinite life with healer of the glade which is one green on etb uh, we're going to gain three life i'm assuming that's how we're going to close out the game or using something like a uh, mold shambler which uh it, when it enters the battlefield and is kicked destroy target non-land permanent i think non-creature permanent non-creature permanent yep we could do that and destroy Ooh, all uh, lands yeah, we can destroy all lands, which is uh, huge. Uh, we can also make infinite elves with Lissal and a Huntmaster, assuming yep. we already have that on the field. Um, and I'm assuming that Ivy Lane Denison can also make us uh, infinitely large as well. So a few different ways, looking like it's going to require the combat step, um, but that's fine. This seems like a very kind of grindy, yes. uh, value-oriented list, so I'm assuming that once we get to this, we're going to be able to just kind of uh, clean things up. A lot of other cool, interesting cards here. A lot of the uh, land enchantment things that we would see in something like a Weaver's List. Yep. Uh, just lots of good ETBs, um, whether that's things that search elves. A lot of our combo pieces are elves, and a lot of our value is elves. Uh, and then, of course, some cute things like Snake Umbra and Mast Vandal and Haze Frog uh, <laughs> and such. Absolute uh, all-stars. Mentioning the removal package, we're doing mostly uh, fight slash uh, deal damage equal to power. Uh, we've got things like Lignify, as well as uh, a few things like Broken Wings and Clip Wings, which are, allow us to deal with Flyers, because we cannot really uh, get rid of those in green. Well, we can. It's destroy target flying creature. <laughs> because we can't really <laughs> tangle with those in combat in green. Yes, you're correct, Joe. I, I'm going to cut that part out, so <laughs> you will just be laughing and no one will know why. Uh, but anyway... This is a different kind of list. It really feels like almost an odd man out amongst the current crop yes. of things that we see coming in. Uh, but I like that this is another playstyle that can come to the table. I like that green is getting some representation in the database. And um, stay strong, Teamer Sabretooth. For sure, for sure. Teamer Sabretooth is a card that has caused issues ever since it was printed. It was never. It was never just oh give this indestructible because I'm attacking right. It's one of those things that you know 100% in all of play design not as bad as Oko, but with Teamer Sabertooth they're like okay we're gonna make you have this four three that's indestructible so what is the what is the cost for that effect and we're like all right you have to bounce a creature so you can't do it all the time like there's a cost there 
uh, forgetting that Magic is a game of ETBs at this point, and that people would care more about the bounce than the actual indestructibility. I believe that's all we have scheduled for today. Um, that brings us to a close. That brings us to a close. Uh, great deck of the week. Unfortunate loss in PDC. Congrats to our new um, CPDH committee members, and thank you to uh, the prolific Nate Diggity and Medwards for submitting these new lists. I really does feel like we've kind of assembled the Avengers at this point in terms of who's getting yes. representation, which means you, yes, you, listening to the podcast right now, and also me and Chev, we should probably get off our lazy butts. Um, get out there and start brewing. The people yeah. in the committee are definitely going to work with you, so if you have an idea and you think you can execute it, uh, we want this to grow as large as possible, right? And we want yes. to get con contributions from as many different people and as many um, different deck building philosophies as possible. Go check out the tryhards, get into some of their online games, start looking at the meta description, check out cpdh.guide, uh, your home for all competitive things. That includes a link to the Budget Brews uh, database at a <laughs> shorter URL. Um, we should probably cut that part. That would... I don't know how Tim feels. He's the guy who made the, the list. I mean, he knows we reference it. Uh, it's fine. Um, no, I can, I can cut it. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, want, you want to cut the cpdh.guide or just the shorter URL? Just the shorter URL. Oh, yeah. 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 That's fine. Uh, there's also tools like cpdh.guide um, that give you access to the, the deck list from Budget Brews and a very nice set of spreadsheets of data analysis on these commanders that we talk about. Uh, don't we, we love Medwords. We love Nate Diggity. We'd also love to see another voice out there, you know, give us give us something good, uh, <laughs> which kind of, you know, we uh, we had a listener a while back, uh, Schmish, if you're out there, uh, keep <laughs> keep listening and um, push through with that Ethersworn Sphinx list because we've, we've seen Ethersworn Sphinx do a lot. It's a shame we don't have a list on the database yet. Um, Noyark, I believe, is the one who piloted the list of victory with the uh, Possibility Storm. Yes. Um, so if, if that list wants to enter, we're, we're missing a Seder Enchanter list again. For sure. Uh, so get that one on there. There are plenty of opportunities for, for people uh, with decks that are even known to be strong. But for sure, try something new. It's, it's a very open game. Um, keep, keep giving us decks of the week because after a while, we'll run out. <laughs> this is true. This we is need true. you for content. <laughs> Please. I'm going to resubmit Cryptic Surf. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need you that bad. <laughs> Rude. Anyway. Hextringers House of Commons. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Let's go play some video games. Speaking of the combo, I don't know what it is. Um, then we're going to repeatedly bounce and cast a creature with an ETB effect that will allow us to win the game. Which one is that? How are we... Which one is that, though? I don't know. Hold up. <laughs>